0: Welcome to episode 5150 which would normally be called episode 8 but not today as we celebrate the life and the legacy of the late great Edward Van Halen. We're going to have three special guests today telling their memoirs and stories about Eddie. The first of which is a touching heartwarming story from South Florida which is going to really show you how wonderful of a person Eddie Van Halen truly was. After that we're going to head west to California to get a Cali guitarist's perspective on Van Halen with my buddy Greg Smith, who's a former bandmate of mine. Finally, we'll have our special musical-featured guest, guitarist Barry Richmond. Barry Richmond is an Atlanta guitar legend who has played with the likes of Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers and Buddy Miles from Jimi Hendrix's Band of Gypsies, just to name a few. So stay tuned for that. And when you have a moment... Go to our Facebook page or Instagram page, Sunday Music Soapbox, you can either do that now or later, and follow along and check out the photos that I've posted for you that directly relate to this episode. You will be very glad that you did. I'd like to start things off with my own personal memoir about Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen. Uh the first time I heard Van Halen was The Women and Children first album in 1980 and my older brother Eric had gotten the record as a gift and I think we we're in his room he's like you guys got to check this out and his, our uncle Bill gave it to him and I was like what is this he's like it's Van Halen and he put it on it was and the cradle will rock and it was like um you know I was like whoa what is this and I remember listening to it and I specifically remember like have you seen Junior's Grave you know and I was like what is this you know I'm nine years old I have no idea what's going on and then you know you miss hear lyrics when you're young right so I thought it was have you seen Junior's Grave and I was like what is with this man, what's there, you know, this darkness, the gr- kid's grave, you know, I didn't know, I was just nine years old, freaking out, and, uh, so that, that's the first time I heard Van Halen, and then, of course, everybody wants some, with the, like, the Toms, do do do, 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 so that was my first experience with Van Halen, and then I, I ended up moving, that was in Ohio, I ended up moving to South Florida, uh, with my mom, and, uh, the, I, I, I want to say it's the, during the summer of 1982, and I heard, a pretty woman on the radio from Diver Down, and uh, I was like, "Oh, this is I love that guitar sound. Just, something about that, you know, the way he played, Eddie played that song, and the tones and the the quote brown tone that he gets right, it just got me. I'm like, oh, I love this. And then, of course, um, Dancing in the Street, I like that too. I was like, Oh, these are great. And I bought those 45s. So I listened to it. And I was 11 years old. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And then I one day on the radio, I'll never forget. I was like. I heard this. It was either on K102 or She 103, W S H E in Fort Lauderdale. Um those of you probably remember those radio stations. They're not around anymore. And it was like, Coming soon, Van Halen, Diver Down tour. And I was like, oh my God. Like I I just like oh, you know, I wanted to go to that so bad and for whatever reason um I couldn't go or my mom didn't take me or I, I don't know if I asked her. When you're a kid, you know you never think to ask these things. So um, I didn't go to that, but uh, I did go to my first rock and roll concert a couple of months later. I think it was August of 82, which was Cheap Trick, the one-on-one tour, and uh, Shooting Star and Axe opened up. Maybe some of you were there at Sunrise Musical Theater, August 1982. And again, I have all these questions like, OK, well, if I went to that, why couldn't I go to Diver Down concert? You know, like, why didn't my mom take me to that? And it, there's no real answer to that. You know, you have to get a time machine, go back and figure out what happened. Her mom just said no. But um, anyway, I digress. So going forward, you know, I was listening to Van Halen, listening to Van Halen over the next couple of years. And of course hadn't seen him, and then the the 1984 album comes out, and just blows everyone's mind, you know, you got Jump, you got Panama, you got Hot for Teacher, and those drum parts, oh my god, and the guitar still, everything about the album is, is just incredible, every track, every song, and it was the number one album, I mean, it was the number one thing as a kid that you were doing in 1984, you sure as hell were listening to Van Halen 1984, the album, and Jump went to like number one, and so when they came to town to concert, everybody, and I mean, everybody wanted to go to that concert, and I think it sold out for two or three nights. Sold out. Maybe it was only two. I have to look it up. And so there were they were giving away tickets. I think it was Y one hundred radio station. And so uh, when drum comes on the air, if you're the tenth caller, you win tickets. Basically, in a nutshell. So I get on the phone and I'm and and I just start calling and I can't get through. I try and call ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. I finally get through and it's ringing. And the phone, the phone's ringing, and I'm like, okay. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and I remember I'm I'm a you know, uh, 13 year old kid, and I, and I'm like, okay, when are they gonna play Jump? You know, and they don't play Jump. Like four songs go by, no Jump. Five songs go by, and I guess I just didn't have the patience. It's like, well, what, what am I? Doing? And at the same time, my friend AJ knocks at the door. He's like, do do do. He's like, hey Chad, he was something you wanted to tell me. I can't remember what it was, and I'm so I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm on the phone, it's ringing, and you know I've just heard like seven or eight songs go by, they're not playing jump. I'm like, well, they're probably not going to play jump anytime soon, I'm thinking, and so I'll just call back. Dummy me hangs up the phone. As I walk to the door, I open the door, and AJ goes, hey, Chad, jump comes on the radio. I shit you not, comes on the radio, and I yelled at AJ for like the next 10 minutes, Uh, It was my fault for hanging up the phone, but when you're a kid, you don't realize that. Now, looking back now, I know it was my fault. So, um, long story short, I did not get to go to the 1984 tour. And I was like, well, you know, like I did with the police, right? The police came to uh, the Orange Bowl Stadium, I believe, on the Synchronicity Tour. I was supposed to go. I couldn't go. You know, that sold out or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'll just go see the police when they tour again. Wrong. They broke up. Well, same thing with Van Halen, right? 1984 happens, and then they split up. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, so fast forward to 1986 and the 5150 album comes out. And this is a huge thing because, you know, when you, we have a band with a singer like David Lee Roth and you're so established and you have this mammoth following, you know, across the universe. And then, uh uh-oh, you lose, you know, the lead singer, there's a parting of ways, creative differences or egos or whatever it was. Um... And they it's a million to one chance you're gonna get a singer to fill that gap that's gonna work in Van Halen. And so you know, they made this album 5150, and it was a wonderful success for them. And there's a lot of great songs, and honestly, it's it's like picks up picks up, in my opinion, looking back now, it picks up right where Van Halen 1984 left off. Okay. But at the time, if you were there, all right, and you know if you were there. You were as cut up about David Lee Rothley, even as everybody else. I was, I was like, ah, oh. and I like Sammy Hagar, you know, but at the time when it happened, they lost a lot of fans, now gained a lot of new ones too, right? Who loves Sammy Hagar. It was a beautiful marriage of two things Sammy Hagar and all his rock and roll and Van Halen together. It really was, and they did an incredible job. But back then, you know, I wasn't having it at first, you know, and I was like, you know what? I bought the Why Can't This Be Love forty five. I'm like, I like it. Sounds good. All right, cool. And I, but I, I don't remember buying the album. And so uh, there it was announced that Van Halen's coming to concert, coming to concert, at Hollywood Sportatorium, April seventh, nineteen eighty six. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going. You know, I'm old enough now. I've been to enough. I mean, I've gone. For that period between, you know, the nineteen eighty four concert, nineteen I I went to a lot of concerts. I saw Motley Crue shut at the Devil opening up for Ozzy Bark at the Moon. That was an incredible experience. That was in May of nineteen eighty four. That was my first metal show, blew my mind. And after that, I just went to show after show after show, Hollywood Sportatorium, Sunrise Musical Theater, you know, saw, you know, a lot of that. I saw David Lee Roth's, you know, first tour, Cinderella opening up. I saw all these amazing shows. It was incredible. It was an incredible time to be a kid and to go to concerts. Uh, But I digress. So um, the day of the concert, I'm at school. And, um, you know, again, going back to this thing where you get a new singer, I don't think the Van Halen 5150 concert had sold out. And my friend says, Chad, are you going to Van Halen? You got to go to Van Halen. I'm like, you know, what are you crazy? And he, he kind of convinced me. I was like, no, I, I don't know. And he's like, well, you, you can still get a ticket there. My sister or somebody said they got a ticket there. I'm like, OK, you convince me. He convinced me. And so I go to the show, I get my ticket at the window an hour before the concert. And uh, my ticket ends up being behind the stage. But for some reason, I walk around, I'm a I'm a I'm a 15 year old kid. So I'm walking around and I just walk down the side of the because i I have access to that the behind the stage here. I walk around to the side to the front and I stand right on the edge of the side the stage, so stage left or stage. The right side of the stage, as you're looking at it from the audience, I stand right at the edge of the side section, right where Eddie plays, and I just stood. There and no one gave me any grief, and there was nobody standing around me really. It was you know a couple of people in front of me, but like there was nobody there. So I watched the concert, and I was actually this is how much of a of a badass I was. I was bootleg taping the whole concert with a tape recorder in my hand, not hidden in a jacket or a coat or on me or a microphone stick out. I had the tape recorder in my hand. But I'm I'm guessing it must have looked like a camera or something. I was holding it kind of nonchalantly. But I bootlegged the entire Van Halen 5150 concert. Because I, you know, I didn't know I didn't know the album other than why can't this be low, but I knew that probably Eddie was going to play a solo. I knew they'd probably play a couple of old Van Halen songs. So, long story short, um, they, you know, uh, first of all, first of all, the opening band was Bachman Turner Overdrive. And forgive me, classic rock fans, but that was the worst. Opening band performance I've ever seen and I've seen hundreds of concerts And I and uh, forgive me. I i like Bachman Turner like the records and I'm sure there was something back in the day I have no idea why they were on that tour Um, The only thing I can think of is somebody in the band or van halen management said Let's get somebody who really doesn't play well right now to open up for van halen to make us look really really good Because we got this new singer and we're kind of nervous. I don't know. okay Maybe one of you out there knows. Um, forgive me, Bachman Turner Overdrive fans. Um, in fact, I remember having the "Taking Care of Business" forty-five when it came out when I was a kid. I mean, when I was really young, my dad got it for me. But this was really, really bad, and and it just didn't pair with Van Halen. It didn't make any sense to me. You know, they should have just not had an opener. But I digress again. So. They come out, and the show's actually great, and I remember enjoying it. I'm tape recording the show, and Eddie goes to play the solo, and he comes over to my side. He's right there in front of me, and he's playing Eruption, and he looks at me, and I'm, I've am i got my tape recorder in one hand and my open hand in the other hand. I'm like, please throw me a pick, Eddie, please, Eddie, and he looks, and he scrapes, the, scrapes his top E string with the pick all the way down, meow, throws the pick right at me. It hits me in my hand and lands on the ground which I immediately dive on along with 10 other people you know that are one row away and dive on it and whatever I put the pick in my pocket quickly I find it luckily I stand up like I don't know where it is and I put my hands up there I'm like I don't know where it went and I kind of walked away because I'm 15 years old all these people are adults or you know 18 21 years old 30 whatever and so I just pretend like I don't have the pick so in in my mind I'm like I've got I can't believe it. My mind is totally blown. I have Edward Van Halen's pick. It's going to have his signature on it. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to take it to school tomorrow. I'm going to freak all my friends out. I wasn't even going to go to this concert today. So what's funny is I I, I when I went to grab the pick, I my tape recorder dropped and shut off. And so I remember hearing the tape, which now is, is supposedly, I think it's lost, but a friend of mine might have it. I don't know. Can't locate it, right? Don't we wish we can locate all the cool concert t-shirts and tapes and bootleg things we had back in the day? Only if we knew, right, we would have put it in a safe uh, box somewhere, safety deposit box. But anyway, I remember on the tape, I click it back on. I go, I just got an effing pick from Eddie Van Halen. I'm like screaming into the tape and I record the rest of the concert. And uh, so after the concert's over, you know, clearing out. I was like, I still can't believe it. I got Eddie Van Halen's pick. He threw it right to me. I'm just, I'm on cloud nine. And this girl comes up to me and she goes, hey. I said, yeah. She goes, you got that pick, didn't you? I said, yeah. She goes, can I see it? And before I respond, she goes, I'm not going to steal it. I'm like, I was kind of like, even though I was young, I was like of a red flag. I was like, of course you're not going to steal it. Why would you say, she, why would you say she's going to steal it if she's not going to steal it? I'm like, okay. So I was, I was on guard. And I guess my better judgment, I reach into my pocket and pull the pick out. And I go to open my hand, and the girl grabs my arm. Like, I'll try to grab the pick, but she grabbed my arm instead. And I f- freaked out. I closed my hand really quick, and I pushed her over the row of seats. So we were standing in between two rows of seats at the venue. Pushed her over a row of seats because I she was trying to steal from And she grabbed my hand. I pushed, She fell back over the row of chairs, and she was okay. But I just ran as fast as I could out of that, out of the sportatorium, and I just ran, and ran, and ran, and ran, until I got outside, and, um, that was it, I still got the pick, and if you look, again, if you look on the, um, our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram, you can see the frame that I just custom made, um, I had it in kind of a, a, a flimsy frame for years, and years, and years, and I just redid it, uh, in, in, in wake of, uh, Eddie's passing, so, um, So there's that. But that's not the only Edward Van Halen guitar pick that I got. There was one more. Two years later, the OU812 tour, and Van Halen came to the uh, Orange Bowl Miami as part of the Monsters of Rock tour. Some of you probably went, this was incredible, this concert, okay? Here's who was here. Kingdom Come opened up. They were kind of like a Led Zeppelin ripoff, but they had a song called Get It On. And they were, it was on the radio. Okay, great. There was Dawkin, which I'd already seen several times. I saw Dawkin Tooth and Nail 1984, opening up for Twisted Sister and Y&T at Sunrise Musical Theater. It was on October 20th, 1984. I'll never forget it. Um, I saw them also open up for Judas Priest. But anyway, you know, Dawkin, amazing George Lynch, what a shredder, awesome band, uh, and then Metallica. Metallica. We just lost Cliff Burton, and Metallica had gone in the studio to record Injustice for All. It wasn't out yet. And, and here's Jason Newstead, new member of the band. And so, and here's the thing about South Florida huge, huge metal community. Okay. If you were there, you know, if you were at the Monsters of Rock Orange Bowl show in 1988 the show I'm talking about, you know that everyone was there for Metallica mostly. I'm going to say at least 90% of the stadium was there for Metallica. You could tell in between bands, like, or you know, came to was over and there'd be like a Metallica road case, go across the, uh, the stage, just moving. And the whole stadium was like, rah, and like, I it just, and I guess I, I think that Metallica hadn't been to South Florida for like several years, uh, you know, probably since we ride the lightning tour. I don't know. I don't know if they came to even sell for it on the Master puppet store. I'd have to look it up. Sorry for not researching. But I just know that there was such a huge, huge energy for Metallica that day, okay? And, like, even scorpions, scorpions were there also. Incredible. Never saw them before. Amazing experience, right? But after Metallica, I mean, Metallica came out, and they put down, like, a gray tarp down on the field. And when, when, when Metallica was over, I kid you not, I looked down and people were clearing out to, you know, go get something to drink or something. There were pools, small pools of blood all over that tarp mat, all where the pit was, this whole in And we're not just talking like 10 feet. We're talking about like 100 feet, you know, radius, like just this area of this, this mosh pit that happened down on the Orange ball Field. Again, if you were there, you know. And um, what a great experience. And the concert seemed to wind down from there after that. The Scorpions were great. And then Van Halen closed out the show. And so during Van Halen, um, you know, it was a great show. Actually, that show is on YouTube right now. You can find it. I'll maybe share the link. But uh, you can watch the whole uh, Miami uh, Monsters of Rock uh, Orange Bowl Van Halen set. It's on YouTube. Somebody filmed it. Anyway, Van Halen goes on, enjoying the show. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm trying to get to the front. I'm 17 now. I get to the front and Eddie throws a guitar pick in our direction, our general vicinity. But instead of reaching us, it hits the bouncer like on the shoulder and lands on the stage right next to the bouncer. So bouncer is not even facing the stage, right? He gets, he feels something on his shoulder. He turns around and he like, he looks at us. He looks back and there's the pick on the stage. I was like, and he he grabs the pick and puts it in his pocket. I was like, ah, you know, a lot of times bouncers will give it to people. This guy put it in his pocket. So I waited until the concert was over and I went up to the guy and I go, hey, I said, that pick that you got, Eddie Van Halen's pick, can I have it? He's like, 10 bucks. I was like, I couldn't get 10 bucks out of my pocket fast enough. I was like, here. And I bought the pick that Eddie threw uh, at Monsters of Rock and the Orange Bowl off of the bouncer for 10 bucks. And um, so comparing the two picks, the pick from, from 5150, when I ended up seeing it, I opened up my hand you know, at that concert it's just a white pick and it says 5150 on it and it almost looks like it's like typewritered on there like someone put a guitar pick in one of those old typewriters and banged out the numbers on it that's what these look like and i was like no one at school is going to believe me you know but it's true cuz some of my friends were at the 5150 concert they saw me with the pick when i was there when it happened they know but like i was like you know ah oh, why couldn't it be one of the ones with a signature you know you're like i want the van halen logo one so the one at the orange bowl does have that. It's a white pick. It's got the gold Van Halen stamp on one side. On the other side, it's got Eddie's signature. Uh, it says 5150 in the signature. So I'm very blessed that I have two Eddie Van Halen guitar picks. They are two of my most prized possessions. Um, Eddie Van Halen was always an influence to me. And even in the recent years, when, you know, I wasn't really listening to Van Halen and all that stuff, his passing is 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 bigger to me than, you know. Uh, I mean, bigger than Michael Jackson leaving us. I mean, for me, Eddie Van Halen has just been a bigger loss, and I've been trying to deal with this longer, and it keeps coming up, and I keep listening to Van Halen albums, and I keep, you know, hearing all these things. I and you, you see it, right? You see the billboards and the and the dedications. So, um, we're really going to miss Eddie Van Halen. Um, I want to continue now um, with a special, special guest and a wonderful story. This this story, this first story, is incredible. Mara D. Mattia is our first guest. And Mara D. Mattia went to the Van Halen Diver Down concert in Hollywood, Florida at the Hollywood Sportatorium. Um, and she was only 14 years old. And uh, something, an incident happened with the crowd at the beginning of the concert, and she was almost trampled to death. And she was screaming, and a Van Halen stage person pulled her out and took her backstage and sat her down. And from there, a beautiful friendship With Eddie Van Halen and Van Halen for the next several years went on. And I'll let her tell you the story. But what's really, really touching and amazing about this story is Mara later on went through a teenage pregnancy a couple years later. Okay. And it was at a time in the 80s where these things were shunned upon, all right, which is a shitty thing to do to somebody. But she was kicked out of her high school, which was a terrible thing. And she goes through all this personal trauma. and her parents, you know, uh, you know, didn't want her to stay there anymore. They made her stay somewhere else. And she was just, you know, the whole world basically turned their back on her, as you'll hear from Mara. And on the other side, guess who was waiting for her? Guess who was there for her? Eddie Van Halen and Van Halen. I can't wait for you to hear this story. It touched my heart. I just got goosebumps thinking about it again. So here's my interview with Mara
1: Mattia and her Eddie Van Halen
0: story. Mara, how is your day going today?
1: Oh, it's fantastic, Chad. And how are you?
0: Just fine. And, uh, I want to tell people the, how, how I found you online. We were, we are both members of this, uh, Facebook group. Remember the sportatorium, Hollywood sportatorium. I've, I've already told this on the podcast, but was this concert venue that was out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, Anyway, I was sharing my my guitar picks and story about Eddie Van Halen and you posted this picture on there and you said he was a friend of mine. And I was like, he was a friend. It was a really sweet picture of you with Eddie Van Halen. And I was like, what? I said, I want to hear more about this. And uh, you were kind enough to to kind of reach back out to me. And then I I prompted you a little bit more. And I I just want to thank you very much, because I think this story and your experience, I know it's you know something that you went through and and i i just think it's a great story i think it's warm and it shows some things that you were going through and then something how how kindly you know edward van halen and the van halen band were to you Um, but i want to start like in the beginning like so walk us through like the beginning you're going to the diver down concert right how old were you and how did everything start
1: okay well first of all i just want to thank you for inviting me it's exciting and a pleasure and i was so excited when you reached out um it's so much fun in, on that facebook page because you know really does jar a lot of memories and you know obviously you were at this concert and and not the first one but we'll talk about that in a minute but it's it's been very nostalgic for me to really go down this memory lane so i want, you know i just want to thank you for that um okay sure. so yes this was diver down it was august of 1981 and, um, uh, it was the summer, um, I was, I might, did I start high school yet? I don't know. It was the summer either before my freshman year in high school, or we had just started school late August, but I think it was the summer. So I'm about to be a freshman in high school. I'm 14 years old and there wasn't much to do where I lived. I lived out in the boondocks in West Davie, Florida. And, you know, I'm a bunch of my friends, area. a bunch of my friends were, you know, concert people and I am the a uh, child of a uh, product of hippies. I'm a little flower child myself. So music was, is a part of me and something mm-hmm. i um, really in my soul since I was born really. And so we got tickets for Van Halen. It wasn't my first concert, but what is it was that year was really the year I started going all the really good rock concerts in South Florida. So we, yeah. we get tickets to Van Halen and we get there. Um, I'm like I mentioned, I'm 14 years old. I'm wearing an Aerosmith cutoff t-shirt jeans and flip-flops and in August as you can imagine in Florida South Florida it's really hot so yep. and the Sportatorium also if you remember was just this big tin can of a venue out in the middle yep. of nowhere the woods and it was swampy and it was always rainy in August so at any given moment there's swampy puddles all over the place and mud so um We get to the concert and the usual tailgate partying going on, which for me at that point wasn't that much, but I think we had beer and whatever. And uh, we go in and as we're, I'm walking up through the floor seats, we had floor seating and we got there really early. Um, The crowd, I don't know what happened. Something happened and the crowd got really amorous and rushed the stage and I got trampled. I was getting trampled. And yeah, I was geez. really close to the stage. In fact, I think I was like up against the stage. And all of a sudden, these hands reached down and pulled me up onto the stage. And it was one of the stage hands; they were setting up for Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And I was crying and scared and really just in a in a tr- of, sort of a crisis moment. And he walked yeah. me back, and I went backstage and sat down. And I was just breathing and you know, sort of sniffling a little, trying to come down from the whole. The whole trauma and um, I felt somebody put his hands on my shoulders and I heard you know are you okay sweetheart and I turned around and it was David Lee Roth, and so <laughs> I was like starstruck at that moment and he was so kind. Were he-
0: you a, I mean were you a big forgive me were you a big van hillen fan like you knew their music every, and you, were, every you, were, lyric, you, you weren't just going to this concert
1: no every lyric to every song on every, pretty much every album even the albums from the 70s i was a real rock and roll girl and i always yeah. i grew up listening to my parents albums they were absolute musicians and went to every show and they had hundreds and hundreds of records and and yeah. I had headphones. So as an only child, most of my young childhood was spent with the headphones on listening to their music. And so I loved rock and roll. So I loved Van Halen. They're one of my favorite bands at the time. Led Zeppelin, so Aerosmith, da- and Van Halen. Top three.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. So so David puts his arms around you. You look up, it's David Lee Roth. David
1: Lee Roth. He brings me to this um dressing room and, and gets lets me pick out a jacket. It's his personal trunk. So I had this cool jacket from David Lee Roth and they were so kind. And then Eddie spotted me, Eddie Van Halen spotted me and he came over and he just, he was just so sorry about what happened and, you know, was thrilled to meet me. He said, I looked exactly like Valerie, just like immediately took to me. And, um, he's like, wow, I can't believe how much you look like my girl, you know? And, um, so we that's talked cool. for like 20 minutes before the show, and they said, listen, you, you're, you're our guest tonight. You, you hang out with us. And they gave me passes, and they, ga- they gave me four seats in the front row and passes and said, you know, whoever you're here with re- with your friends, tell them, you know, you're busy tonight, and here's tickets for them, and give them passes, and you're hanging out with us. So that's what I did. I, I got to watch the whole show from backstage, and it was, as you know, amazing. I mean, that was a great tour Good. also. Who did you go to
0: the show with?
1: So I went with a bunch of my high school friends from Western High School. Um, okay. And shout
0: out Western. <laughs> shout
1: out Western High School, Davey, class of 1986.
0: I'll have, have to put my Cooper City comments in there later. Well, go no, ahead. We'll,
1: we'll get to Cooper City. <laughs> like, shout out but we
0: know, mutual, we know mutual people, so it's cool.
1: Well, I actually graduated from Cooper City. I went to Western my first two years, and I went to Cooper and graduated from Cooper. So I'm an alum of Cooper also.
0: That's right. all saw story. the light. I'm just kidding.
1: Anyway... So the concert was awesome and amazing. So after the concert, the boys want to go back to the hotel, which back in the day was, it's now Grand Palms, this big golf country club, but it was uh, the Hollywood, was it the Hollywood, I can't remember the name of the hotel, but anyway, it was right on Hollywood Boulevard, which was not Pines Boulevard at the time. And it was just yeah. east of the Sportatorium, and so I went
0: was it like to- near Cemetery Village. I mean, Century yes, Village.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> it was it was just west um, of what is now I seventy five, but you know, way west okay. back toward the Sporto, where the Sporto was.
2: Gotcha.
1: So okay. um, anyway, so I I go back to the hotel with them, and we're all partying. And I I didn't bring any of my friends that I went with because you know they didn't invite any of them. They just invited me. And so we got went back to the hotel, and we were um just hanging out and partying. They were doing their usual rock star stuff. I was still just a kid. I was fourteen. I hadn't really yeah. gotten into the heavy drugs. There was all kinds of stuff going on you know everything sure. for me was very p g thirteen if you know what I mean. So there was yeah. no crazy stuff. I didn't participate in any kind of craziness, but they were very yeah. kind to me. And uh, we called my mother from the limousine and they assured her they weren't going to hurt me or touch me or whatever. And yeah. uh, so I got to hang out with them until about, I don't know, three, two or three in the morning. And I got a ride home. They all came with, with the limo to bring me home. And it was so much fun. All, all four of them packed in the car with me. And they took me home that night. So, there were two shows. Um, there were two shows, and I, I think there were two shows. Was there two shows in August? Actually, no. There was that one show, but they made sure we we took phone numbers, and Eddie made sure that you know they would get in touch with me when they were coming back to South Florida, which they did. They came back the next year in eighty two. In eighty two, they had two shows. Uh, I believe it was Dis-
0: okay. So that was the same tour, was it? Okay, no, so they did. They came. To- Okay. No,
1: this is, um, this tour is called, hold on, I have to put my memory, um, what was this tour called? Because
0: I know Diver Down, the album came out in 82, so I'm just trying to figure it out,
1: mm-hmm. but it's
3: all good.
1: Well, that, that concert was 1981, and the 82 okay. concert was, I don't think it was Diver Down, but anyway, we can go back and look that up.
0: Yeah, no biggie. That's not the point. Yeah. It's all good.
1: So but in but what was significant was that concert was two nights in a row. And I got a call um the night before the concert, I wanna say it was in December, early December of nineteen eighty two. And um I got a call from Eddie Van Halen and he said, you know, wanted to say hello, let me know that they would have tickets and passes and they expected to see me at the show. So, um yeah. for and they left me tickets for both nights, by the way. They put me on the guest list. I had they gave me four front row seats and four backstage passes for both nights, so they awesome. I could invite on you know whichever friends I wanted. So I brought a bunch of friends, and they were two of the best concerts I you know obviously had ever seen. And I got to hang out with them the whole weekend. It was really fun, and um, so that was 1982. Well, in '83 they did not come. I don't believe they came in '83. Uh, they came in 84, in January of 84, and I was not able to go to that show, although they called, and uh, for other reasons, and then they came back, the next time I was able to go was 86, they broke up in 85, because they, I guess, with whatever was going on with David Lee Roth, and then they got Sammy, and I got a call from them in 86, I was 18, and I uh, was very excited to go see them and have passes and and get to see them in the front row. And that night, because I hadn't seen them in a few years, um, they asked me. I was actually sitting in the section where you were, so you and I were in the same section. Yeah. We probably didn't probably did so each other. So yeah. that concert was awesome and amazing. And that's where those pictures are from. Those pictures are from April fifty one fifty show seventh of
0: April seventh. Yeah.
1: And uh, that by far was my favorite Van Halen show because it was just it was just so meaningful having gotten to spend a couple of concerts with them and then not seeing them for a few years and then getting to see them again and having grown up. I felt like I was all grown up and and Eddie couldn't believe it. We basically wore almost the same outfit. I had a white shirt over a uh, sort of a hot pink top. And so did he And we had it was just crazy. We almost wore the same thing. He couldn't believe it. And he was very um just the, the kindest heart. You know, I had I'd been around them for a couple of shows. This was a guy who didn't do anything crazy with other girls. There were no other girls around him. He was just a a kind and seemingly very faithful kind of man. He didn't loved his wife. He loved his family. You know, he just was there having a good time and doing what he loved. So it was very yeah. cool getting to know him. And I felt special when they came into town, they made sure that I had um, an opportunity to come and see them again. And I thought it was really cool. Unfortunately, that was the last time I ever had a chance to speak to them because then my life got busy. I had, started my family and you know, life, the rest of life happens at that point.
0: So, so this, this thing that you went through, you're such a young age and the first concert you go to Diver Down and, um, and then tell me you end up having a child and and that I want to kind of tie that into this story because um, after you'd had a child, they knew that, right? I mean, Eddie yes. knew that. Okay. And just maybe talk about that, what you went through. And then, you know, how they were kind of there for you. That, that's why I think is a beautiful thing about the story.
1: You know, it's an important part of life and things happen in life. And I guess, you know, you when you look back, you know, I was. So what happened? Essentially, let me tell the story then. So, yeah. So in 1981, I meet them in 1982. I come back. I see them again. And then when they came in January of 84, I was pregnant. Um, I was um, very pregnant and I just wow, didn't wow. I was I was, in a place of where people were shaming me I got pregnant in high school I was 16 um, it, Western High School kicked me out and Man. my I mean I, it was just a time in my life where everybody turned their back on me because I committed this awful thing by getting yeah. pregnant and and you know really was looked down upon and I I just was, uh, it's not that I was embarrassed. I just, you know, I didn't want to go to a concert pregnant, you know, I'm pregnant right. you know, and the stuff you do at rock concerts, it's no place to be if you're pregnant. So right. I elected to not go. And I told them when they called, um, I told Eddie that what, what had happened and I was pregnant and I was not with the child's father. I mean, obviously I was very young and he was much older and, um, and he felt terrible and was sad that you know, I was going through such a crazy time. And I think that was one of the reasons when I saw them again in 86, they were just really just rolled out the red carpet. It was pretty fun. But um,
0: yeah, so well, that's I'm, that so was a, that's, just a comment on that. You know, that was a shitty way. You know, it wasn't even though we talk about, you know, you and I back in the days, things were different, you know, with all the things everybody's offended these days about every little thing but back even when you say like back in the days things were different but that was still a shitty way back then to treat somebody you know for a school to do that to you and even now you know i mean it's like i'm sorry that that happened to you
1: yeah it was they were rotten to me western high school the administration they they shamed me and they forced me to quit they wouldn't let me come back i had to go i had to fight to be able to get back into high school to graduate and that's where cooper city came in you know i I literally had to go before the school board of broward county plead my case and as a result of doing that um the principal of cooper city high school who happened to be in at that meeting um had mercy on me and came up and said you know what i'm sorry that that happened at western but we'll have you if you'll come you know we want you to finish
0: yeah that's awesome
1: And, and so I went back, I I went and enrolled at Cooper city and you know, I'll never forget as long as I live that day that I enrolled back in high school, I was seven, I had, I was 16 years old. It was, I had just had the baby. It was August, the new year. And there was a sign in the principal's office that said, Hey, teenagers, hurry up and move out while you still know everything. And it left an imprint in my mind for the rest of my life that, you know, we think we know a lot when we're young and, Um, sometimes you you just have to recognize and it's really hard for kids that you can't possibly know all there is to know we make decisions you know there I was a young mother and I you know you make a decision without understanding the ramifications of your decision and then the rest of life changes as a result the question is now what do you do with it do you take the path of victim and oh look what happened to me or do you forge your destiny And it was not easy being a young single mother at 16 years old. Uh, But I did it. And, you know, fast forward, that child is 36 years old now. And she's, you know, the love of my life and the reason I'm anything good. So sometimes having the child, you know, is is a blessing. And I certainly do not judge people that, you know, plenty of people tried to talk me into an abortion. You know, it's a very common thing to do if you're in an unwanted pregnancy situation. but. Never once did I not want my daughter. Never mm-hmm. once. From the minute I knew I was pregnant, did I not want her. So everybody's different. And for me, that's how it was. Yeah. So um, I'm so thankful. It was a difficult time. But um, but I have a wonderful child. And going back now, so now, you know, I have this child and, and, and I he- I hear from them in 86. They're coming back. You know, hey, how's everything? Are you okay? Do you want to come? Heck yeah, I want to come. Like, so when.
0: When you hear from them, who would how would they get in touch with you?
1: Eddie would call and I like the house phone, like the landline, yeah, the house, yeah, the (laughs) landline. They call the house, you know. We were always listed, remember back then you could have a list your mom who,
0: like, did you always answer? Did somebody else answer?
1: Myra, it's Eddie again. Well, you know, yes, when I lived at home, um, after I, I got pregnant, I left home. Uh, but after that I was listed. I had, I had my own phone. My house number was listed and I lived on my own and I was listed so you could find me and they always found me. So every single time they got in touch with me and then, uh,
0: So they told you they were coming I, back for the 5150
1: tour. Co- co- coming in town, you know, where, can you come? Absolutely. Yes. So I get there at, to the Sporto, you know, you go to Will Call, there's tickets, there's passes, there's, But this was, they were filming this concert at the Sportatorium. And so this night was very special. And uh, so we got all dolled up. I was all dolled up for it in my best T-shirt, my best jeans and shirt that I had at the time. And we just had, we took pictures and we had such a great time. I just moved a couple months ago somewhere. I have a box of all these pictures, but it was just a super fun night. And that was of course, Van Hagar. And so Sammy Hagar was was just so much fun it was way more fun than david lee roth because now these guys are totally clean they're not doing any any drugs there's no crazy stuff going on everybody's a family person and i'm not saying they weren't drinking and having some cocktails but they they weren't doing crazy stuff yeah and um it was just my favorite one of my favorite all-time concerts yeah it was so much fun and they were such good fun guys
0: that's so funny you know i i you wish you get a time machine, but I'm sure, uh, I mean, I bought my ticket at, at the Sporto window that day. You know, I, I wasn't that day at school. I wasn't going to that show. Cause I was, you, you gotta, you remember this. And I, I told this earlier on the podcast, you know, for people who were there in that time when David Lee Roth and that split happened with Van Halen, that, that gutted a lot of us, you know, and like, it's a million to one chance. You can find another singer that can, you know, how does Van Halen go on? That's a million to one shot, you know, and they got it right. And I. But I just, like, at the time, I just wasn't having it on my impression. Like, you're going to see Van Halen tonight? And I had never been. I tried to go. And this was my first Van Halen concert. And I was like, they convinced me to go. So I got my ticket that day, you know, hour before the show, whatever, at the ticket window, you know. Um, and, again, it's so funny that we were right there in the same section. I actually, my ticket says I was behind the stage in 211. But I walked around. And I just, you know, 15 year old kid, people aren't, you know, they're not really going to bother me. You know, it's funny how when you get older, a lot more people yell at you. And when you're a kid, you know, they kind of let it slide. And so I was, I mean, I, I actually, I don't know if I told you this when we first talked, but I bootlegged the whole concept. So I, so I had a tape awesome. recorder in my hand the whole time. I mean, everybody oh could see God. me. So, but I, I didn't get busted. They didn't take my tape recorder away. And Eddie threw me the pick you know, during a solo. So it was a great night for me.
1: That is so cool. Yeah, That is so cool. Well, you're right. You know, you, you they probably said, God, this kid's getting the show of his life, you know, <laughs> let it, let him just go, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That happened a uh, couple of so, times. I was lucky to be able to go to a lot of concerts when I was young and it, you know, it's funny. I was thinking the other day and I said, this is my pockets. Also my mother took me to see cheap trick at sunrise musical theater. And it was, it was August of 82. That was my first, real rock concert and then i th- I think back and i'm like well hell why in the hell could she take me to diver down You know, it was the same year and it was like god you know it was the same month yeah you know, could have would have should have same- or whatever you know and i'm like oh my god you just when you're a kid you don't think about these things and also you don't think van halen's ever going to break up you know so it's 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 amazing that everything came back together for that night and i actually was really impressed with the show too i enjoyed it and i was like i had a new appreciation for the new version of van halen when i was i was absolutely not buying it before that night and i was just i like seriously people had to twist my arm to go to that concert which sounds dumb but if you again if you're a child of the 80s like we are and then when that happened a lot of people just like what what is this you know but um anyway i digress
1: so well no you don't digress because it's a good point and i want to i want to highlight something that you said and to your point what you don't realize, because you were a couple years younger than me, but what you don't realize is, is that Sammy Hagar was amazing. He had some killer music. He actually started out around the same time Van Halen started yeah, mantras, out. right? And and he was just such a talented singer. I don't think anybody realized he was so underrated that I don't think anybody realized how talented of a singer he actually was. And he, it, you know, I don't know really the ins and outs of how they made the pick to him and how all that happened. But, you know, you have to believe sometimes, you know, in Destiny that things kind of happen the way they're supposed to. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the, you know, really what happened was that Sammy came along at a time. Where Van Halen needed a front man that was gonna do it justice. And frankly, David Lee Roth is not the vocalist that Sammy Hagar is. And so I don't I think that caught everybody by surprise, number one. And number two, as David Lee Roth got older, it became more apparent that his vocal ability was really he was able to scream and screech and he wasn't a terrible singer but he wasn't a a, a really excellent singer and sammy hagar is an excellent singer and uh so yeah I was like you you know it was like oh my god you know david lee Roth. How, what is van halen without david lee roth but yeah. the truth it was is a big yeah. deal
0: i mean it was a huge yeah.
1: Deal. yeah especially with the girls you know he was really the thing but um but, right. but i think sam came along and made them musically excellent i mean they were anyway with the guitar i mean they were musically excellent i'm not i don't mean to say they weren't yeah but in terms of the vocal piece of van halen he um he came in and added it was just a new it was a new thing and it was good it wasn't david lee roth and it wasn't the same but it was still really really good and uh you know that's what happens when you have a guitar player like Eddie Van Halen oh, and, a, and and all of the other musicians that really, you know, you can you can exit one piece of that puzzle, enter another piece and it still works.
0: Yeah, I'd listened to all these albums over again over the past couple of weeks since Eddie's passing. I was, I'm super nostalgic and and I, I I'm listening to 5150 and I'm like. And I, I listened to 1984, and in my mind, and I'm a, I've been a music director for a lot of years, I play drums, whatever, and I'm like, really, now that I look at it and listen really hard, 5150, honestly, picked up where, picked up where 1984 left off, honestly. And a lot of things are similar, like the tonality, like Alex Van Halen using the Simmons drums more prevalently, and it's like, just this, the, ver- the different variable seems to be Sammy. And he could, you're right, he could sing. His range was a lot better and he could He could really scream. I mean, David could scream great too, but um, it's just interesting how the band continued to progress. And then I was like, you know, then the OU812 album, which I went to that at the Orange Bowl, which I don't think you were able to make that one, right? No. But, you know, that was still a great show too. And by then it was like, okay, this is a new band. Yeah, we still kind of miss David. I, I did go to see the David Lee Roth, Edom and Smile tour, which was incredible. You know, that was to me. So I guess I was kind of fulfilled on both ends. You know, I saw David and then I a couple of, I think it was a couple months later it was the 5150 show. So I was like, OK, you know, it's kind of I kind of that that balanced me out from being, you know, off kilter from, you know, them losing David. But um, but it, the biggest thing is I want to go back to is like you, you, you're you you're this single mother, this young, young mother in this situation. You get booted out of a high school and there on the other end was van halen you know waiting for you it's it's a beautiful thing you know it's incredible <laughs> it was cool i mean it was really cool and and so when you when they that show in particular i know they were filming and they they released um somebody leaked out uh the uh why can't this be Love" video Um, uh, but i haven't seen any of the footage hopefully one day we will and, and maybe maybe it'll show the guitar solo and i don't know if you'll see me or not but uh you know he, he he um that was that was a great moment but did they talk to you like yeah, did you talk they talk too like, much about your child Did they, and they seem to be really caring about your baby and your situation and that kind of thing He
1: um yeah um yeah they were very they um eddie was very inquisitive and yeah. um asked a ton of questions about you know how i how how i was and you know how how things were and he was really seemed really concerned at that concert um i had an opportunity to really spend some time uh before the show because we i was able to go to the before show party hang out the whole time with them so i got to spend a little extra time uh hanging out with eddie and hadn't seen him since i was much younger and they were excited to see me and said wow you know you're all grown up and i always had makeup on this time and yeah so i guess i looked a little more grown up i don't know how much more grown up i could have looked from you know 14 and 15 to 18 yeah. but apparently I you look I had cute, grown you up look quite cute a in the pictures for sure yeah you know i was a cute kid and uh so there were you know i think he was excited to see me with makeup and a certain kind of hairstyle look just like his wife and he you know he He commented again on how much he thought I looked like Valerie, which I thought was always funny. I think that's one of the reasons he was so, you know, for lack of a better word, attracted to me. He certainly made no moves, any kind of funny moves on me. But um, he was very friendly and very interested in my life and how things were going and asked a ton of questions. And I had a little girl. I named her Samantha. Um, She was beautiful. I showed pictures. Um, You know, you always keep a picture in your purse of you know your your child so i had a couple pictures with me and um yeah it was great i got to hang out at in the in the before show party area and it was really nice i had great food and drinks and um i i think i brought one or two of my friends to that show they had given me four four passages passes and four tickets so a couple of my friends were back there with me and it was fun so believe it or loved- not i think i could only find two friends to go with me in that concert can you imagine
0: that's crazy it's, it's, hey would well, you like
1: to come to van halen backstage in front row no sorry can't tonight <laughs> you know two extra tickets in you houses. know and i'm
0: sure you know what's funny was you know in 86 because you were you at you were at cooper city at, i mean yeah we, we
1: were in school that day together yeah that's crazy. i was i was in school that day
0: that's crazy nuts, april butter.
1: april of 1986
0: that's nuts i and i know i'm sure i saw you in the hallways but uh I did. Uh, I did a bunch of drumming stuff for the talent shows and things like that. I'm sure you had a. Ch- I don't know how much extracurricular stuff or things you went to at school, but you had to take care of your awesome daughter. So, um, but that's crazy. That's like my mind's a little blown with that, right? You know, because I just I randomly met you on this Sporto site, and that's like, and then you also went to school. Like we talked about it. We we have some mutual friends that went to Western, and that's that's really cool. Um, I looked up some dates here really quick, and it looks like the. Um, the first the sporto date was actually year to the day it was august the the 81 one was august 18th 1981 at the sporto that's what it says here on this particular page and then it says the exact uh, the, the exact same date a year later august 18th 1982 was the other one does that sound about right to you
1: yeah yeah, yeah. a year later and then there was in the next concert was in like there were two shows I
0: just love the part about this where you went through this struggle and you know, you, I'm sure your parents were there to support you and everything like that, which is beautiful. But to to go through this, the school switch and just have, you know,
1: And my parents were not there to support me. My, My mother said, you are, you are not having a child and living at home. So I had to, I had to, you know, who took me in was her, my daughter's father's parents they basically took me in and took care of me so i could go back to school i got to live with them and they they lived in cooper city and pasadena lakes so I, that's how i was in the district for cooper city
2: okay
1: and um but they were very good to me and so and they were you know my mother was a single mom my dad had taken off when i was little so my my very unstable single mother really was not prepared to be a grandmother um when i was 16. so it was a very challenging time in my life and once my daughter was born then my mother had to change of heart and by then she had just married her sec her second husband father but she was ready again, you know, it was treated like a big embarrassment. So here I was shaming my family and shaming my name and my school and my mother just wasn't prepared. So not a good, really not a good situation. I don't know if that adds any more drama right. to it, but well,
0: no, yeah, I mean it does, but I'm really glad that, that they could take you in and that, you know, cause you need somebody, you know, no matter what age you're at, or at that point, you know, you need some kind of support system. And I, I can just only imagine how you felt. And I'm, I'm very sorry, even this many years later, you know, that you had to go through that, but I'm sure that it made you stronger. Sure. I'm sure, you know, and and so, you know, um, it
1: made me, I have no regrets because it made me, you know, how some people say they're survivors. You know, I don't like the term survivor. Yes. You survive situations, but this, these things, things like this, either make you or break you, you either pick it up and go forward and just deal with everything, try to make good decisions Or you claim a victim mentality, poor me, everybody has to do something to help me look at me, poor me. And, you know, ultimately, I just never wanted to be the person that had a regret that said, you know, as a victim, I couldn't do this because of this. I didn't do that because of this. And yeah, there were things I didn't get to do. I didn't get to have a normal childhood. I didn't get to, you know, do a lot of things that all my friends got to do. But guess what? I'm done. I'm in my early 50s. I still look amazing. My daughters are grown and gone. And, you know, I have the rest of my life at a very young age to really reinvent and do whatever I want to do. So there's always an upside to starting some things early, even though it was a challenging situation. You know, it, it, it really does. It develops your character and you either forge your destiny or you let, you know, you let time pass you by. And it's important yeah. not to do that because you don't know how many days you have. So it's important to recognize the good things. And even when they're not so good, be thankful that you're alive and that you are, uh, you have another day to, to, to make a change.
0: Mary, I'm just going to say it. You're freaking inspiration, girl.
1: Well, thank you.
0: <laughs> you're you're, I mean, seriously, all these things that with Eddie's passing that, that, that brings these memories and of a time of, you know, everybody who's, our age now in, in this bracket, you know, we're kids back then, growing up and that music was at the center of life. And it was just so wonderful to know again, in your situation that, you know, you, it, for a short moment in time, you were, you know, you had Van Halen there for you, you know, it's just so beautiful, you know? I know. And so
1: I, I love you know, it. I'm so thankful. It's,
0: it's so cool. And, and so did you, do you have like, uh, I mean, same topic, but so do you still have David Lee Ross jacket?
1: Well, no.
0: I, <laughs> what kind of swag you I'm got? So so, I mean, you got a I'm trunk so, full of
1: stuff. You know, I'm so sorry that I I got rid of it. But here's what happened. Okay. Uh, I I grew up and got married. I I met I finally met somebody, and you yeah. know I got engaged and I got married and we bought a house and then we had a child. You know, you do the things when you kind of do everything right. wrong the first time. You know, this time I second sure. time I was intent on doing everything right. But the guy that I married. <laughs> was not very thrilled with my... What he called groupie past life, which, you know, I went to a lot of concerts (laughs) in my day because there wasn't much to do down here. And it's not like I was a groupie where I was sleeping with all the rock stars. Not not at all. I mean, I just enjoyed music and and it was a fun thing to do. And I didn't just do rock concerts. I did comedians and there was just a lot of stuff to do at all these venues down here in the day. But and I collected everything. You know, I saved everything, all my tickets. I had a big board with all my backstage passes and I had. From the 1960s through the 1980s, my parents and my album collection, I must have had a thousand records, vinyl records. I came home, we got married, and I came home one day and he had decided to clean out the storage. And he threw out all of my memorabilia and all of my albums, my mother's albums, my father's albums.
0: Are you still married to him? Oh,
1: hell no. Are you kidding?
0: I just I don't
1: even miss him. <laughs> so that was the first warning sign. Problem oh is, we were God. already married. Uh, I yeah. never forgave him, to be honest. So, you yeah. know, listen, I have some pictures I did. You know, I had you didn't always have a camera back in the 80s, but right? There were right. in 86, I did have a camera, that's why I have pictures of that particular night, yeah. But, uh you know, there was no uh, cell phone video and, you know, stuff back then. But, uh, yeah, so well, he, he threw out stuff that was very dear to my heart. And um, we were divorced within a couple of years of that.
0: What was your what was your favorite? Did you have a, other than the, obviously the whole 5150 concert that you got to spend time with the band? What, what was, did you have a favorite, um, you know, intimate, you know, uh, personal moment with the band or with Eddie that you recall? Yes. More. Th- Go ahead.
1: So, yes, um, he kept a bunch of guitars around and just would sort of impromptu pick up the guitar and play some stuff. And we were sitting, I think it was the second night, um, no, I guess the April show wasn't two nights. I guess it was, I can't recall if it was before or after. I think it was before um, the show. He just picked up his, his acoustic guitar. We were just sitting around. There was just a few of us in there and uh, and started strumming on it and singing and playing and it it just was really cool. It was a a moment of sort of intimacy, not between him and I, but yeah. where he just picks up the guitar and he just starts randomly strumming and singing and it was just so cool i I'll never forget his voice singing and his his whole demeanor he was sort of like a little kid he he just you could see that he loved living and that he enjoyed what he was doing. And uh, yeah. I'll never forget him as long as I live. Uh, he he was really special to me.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I've got a friend of mine um, who was, a, who was uh, he worked for a guitar center out in Los Angeles. And uh, long story short, he got on a call and he had to go service this house. And uh, his manager's like, hey, I can't tell you who it is, but you just need to go out there. He needs help with this keyboard rig uh and and it's my buddy charles and he's like okay shows up drives up there and he he knows different music and he's he's an educated music guy and he's a film score composer and all this stuff and he's just working this job and he pulls up and it's eddie van halen's house and he knocks on the door door opens and a little pot smoke rolls out the door and he's like hey man and, and my friend just like but he's like come on in he said he was really sweet and he worked on his keyboard rig and he you know offered him some weed and You know, just kind of really, you know, wholesome and kind. And and that seemed to be who he was.
1: Yep. That's really who I think who he was. I think he you know, I'm sure there was a side that was at odds with certain things in the band, I guess, between them. But in in terms of the person that he was, he was very sweet and kind. He had a kind soul and he had a, a very childlike spirit about him. Um, and he seemed always happy, always smiling and never saw him. Not that, you know, I know him very well, but I mean, the little bit of time that I was around him, I don't think I saw any, any kind of a frown, nothing but a smile on his face. You could tell he was a happy person.
0: Yeah. Do you still, you still crank up any Van Halen from time to time?
1: Yeah. You know, especially lately since, since this whole thing with him passing away and it was really a shock. I had no idea, you know, I didn't mention this, but he and I have the same birthday. And oh, uh, wow. that's real. That was always something that was very cool because not that he called me every year on the birthday, but I'll, I'm 100 percent sure he thought about me. I know I always thought about him. So we always joked about it so that, you know, he remembered me every year enough to call and make sure I had tickets. And I felt like he really cared. Um, so it was cool. Um, we would always mention, you know, what what had happened or how the birthdays were and as we were getting a little bit older yeah Uh, to think 18 was the last I saw him and I'm you know 52 now so it's kind of weird
0: yeah well those you know those memories stay with us you know in that the childhood memories and for me I moved around a lot you know and um every new place I went to um for some you know I was at this place for one year I lived in 18 different houses places by the time I was 18 and that was different states like Ohio to, to Florida and back again but um when I somehow I when I landed in Cooper City, miraculously, I stayed there for all four years of high school. Mm-hmm. Thank God I had the greatest time. I had the greatest friends. I was in drumline. I was like I was voted most talented, most talented. In Cooper city. And and I just I love music. I, I was lucky enough to be able to go to all these concerts and the, the sport. Of, so what a great life. And anybody that's listening out there, you know, if you ever went to the school Sportatorium, you know what we're talking about. You know, it's 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 our it's It was our music mecca back in the day, little did we know it was kind of a dump, but now we know
1: it was a dump, but it was still the best place and the most fun place to see a concert.
0: It was our dump
1: <laughs> that's right, it was our dump. damn it <laughs> Wouldn't trade traded for the world no shit
0: yeah well it's it's been my pleasure and uh thanks for agreeing to come on and, and share your story and uh and the pictures are awesome and uh again, I want remind people to. Go to social media, our social media page, Sunny Music Soapbox, and check out the photos. And, uh, you know, Mara, we we wish you the absolute best, and let's stay in touch.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun and my pleasure.
0: All right. So we can stay on the line here for a second and, and chat, but that was great. Okay. Yeah? How do you feel? Cool?
1: Fine. I feel fine. Yeah. Whiskey helps everything. Yeah. Wow.
0: Man, I am so glad uh, that I got to do that interview with her. That is such a wonderful story, and I, I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to segue into our next guest, and that's my buddy, guitarist Greg Smith. Greg is uh, from California. He grew up in Orange, California, about 45 minutes from Pasadena, Van Halen Central, that is. And he's an incredible, solid guitarist. He was in a uh, sign band. Uh, I believe with Warner Brothers, called Slapback, kind of funky band. And he was also in some incredible tribute bands, uh, one of which was called White Leopard Crew. Uh, Combines three, uh, you know, heart metal bands' names. That was a really cool metal cover band, uh, tribute band. And then he was in an 80s tribute band called Electric Boogaloo. And then I I got to play with Greg in a 70s disco funk tribute band called The Booty Squad. You heard it right. And uh, we had Randall Ryder on bass, It was a solid band. And at the helm, we had Jason Mori on vocals. Uh, You probably know him from probably the biggest and baddest Bon Jovi tribute band in the world, and that's Slippery When Wet. And uh, Jason was in that band. So we all loved Van Halen. And uh, just there were times where Greg would just, you know, pull out a Van Halen riff and just make us smile. And a few times we jammed pretty hard on little guitars, one of which was at a gig in Clemson, uh, South Carolina area, Greenville area, at a bar called Late Night, and we just threw down some little guitars one night, and those are great memories with uh, with Greg. Um, another thing is uh, Greg's cousin is Ralph Sands, uh, who's, a, who's a great singer, and you might know him as Michael Starr from Steel Panther. Uh, who also had a Van Halen cover band that was really well-known called the Atomic Punks. So we're going to hear Greg talk about his cousin and, and all these things and the, the Van Halen links in there and uh, all things Van Halen and memories. So here's my interview with Greg. My brother Greg, my Van Halen brother from another mother. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Let's get talking to Eddie. Uh, when, when I played with you in in, in the booty squad, we had a little 70s funk band and we were having a lot of fun and and you, you were somebody that I met that just instantly gave off the, the Van Halen vibes and you would, you would play riffs, you know, and I was just like, Ooh, he could play Van Halen like stuff. And I was, I I enjoyed those moments. And um, what's, what's your earliest Van Halen memory?
3: Uh, Well, you know, so it's kind of funny. We, long story short, we moved uh, when I was a kid, we moved from Orange, California, Orange, Orange County, but Orange, the city to Chicago, because that's where my relatives were. And my dad thought it'd be a good idea for us to get our get to know our relatives. And so when we got out there, that's when I met my cousins, you know, like really met them for the first time. And my cousin, John was 16, 17 at the time. And he, he had this band already. And he was already a pretty accomplished guitar player at that age. One of the best around. Like, you know, people would talk about, you know, him. And uh,
0: what was his last name?
3: John Sains. Okay. So he's um, and so I'd go over there as a little kid. And I, I just that's when I fell in love with guitar the first time. And uh, I'd watch them play. And then I, I really wanted to play. Um, But I was, you know, kind of young. I mean, I was like five, six at the time. So and then, you know, that's when I really started getting into music. Now, you flash forward to, you know, when Van Halen released their first record, that's about the time we were moving back to California. So it's just kind of funny there. I missed not that I would have been able to see any of Van Halen at that age. But if you think about Van Halen's progression, it's about 1975 maybe 74, maybe 73, but 75, they started getting, getting a lot of gigs and playing a lot more, and, uh, you know, they, they started to become known, and then they were the hot commodity. That it's like a matter of time before, you know, somebody finally figures it out and signs them. And so by the time I got back, you know, I'd heard Running with the Devil and, I, and, and uh, You Really Got Me on the Radio out in Chicago, but it, it wasn't being played like it was when we moved back out here. So we came back out here, and that's when I was hearing Van Halen for the first time. I was like, wow. I mean, that just, stuff just blew my mind. And so I, I think subsequently, what, I was like 10 when we moved, probably within the year. So by the time I was 11, that's when I started playing, you know, picked up the guitar and started trying to play it. So, I yeah. mean, that's, that's kind of the influence and in, in early memories of, 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 of Van Halen to me.
0: When you came back to California, I mean, who, who all was in your family? Your parents? You have siblings?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got all of my, you know, obviously, you know, besides the radio, I was influenced heavily by, obviously, my cousin John, who was playing guitar still. Uh, my cousin Ralph, his brother, his younger brother, who introduced me to bands like Queen and, and whatnot. Um, and, and, of course, Van Halen later. And then my brother, Jeff, and my brother, John, were my closest siblings. And they were getting into they were little. They were older than me. I was the youngest. So they're the ones buying the records for the most part and bringing them home. And I'd listen to all of them. And a lot of those are you know, rock records, Van Halen and stuff like that. So, How far you know, was or-
0: the city of Orange from Pasadena area?
3: Uh, Orange is probably 45, 40 miles from Pasadena, something like yeah. that.
0: I just wondered, you know, you ever think back, I'm very nostalgic and I I think back like, okay, my mom took me to see like Cheap Trick one-on-one tour in 1982. And then that's that's the same year as the Diver Down tour. I'm like, why in the hell did she take me to Diver Down? Do you you ever wonder like, why didn't my older brother take me out to a Pasadena block to see Van Halen?
3: (laughs) Right, right, right. But that's what I mean by that time they were already on tour. You know, hey, Chad, speaking of which, while we were in, uh, while I was in LA with Jason, Jason, my friend, Jason Morey. Um, and you know, and as well, uh, we, we went to visit, uh, Eddie's house that he grew up in and we went to the, vi- yeah. there was a bunch of murals everywhere, all over Pasadena for, for oh, Eddie. Nice. It was kind of, it was kind of cool. We got pictures and everything and stopped from his house. You know, he lived in, in his house in Pasadena, his parents' house till 1981, wow. which was kind of, kind of surprising me because it's a very humble little house. It's nothing big.
0: Jason was a huge Van Halen fan as well. So I'm glad you guys got to do that. Eventually, um, you know, you're obviously playing guitar, learning your craft. When did you have a chance to dive more into Van Halen or, you know, and when did you, did you have a chance to see them?
3: No. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting to. So in every single tour, we would sense somebody would go down and try to get tickets, ditch school and try to get tickets for us all. And every single time, fail. Every time, <laughs> Jeez. yeah. Every every time, you had to... yeah. You had to right. go to, you had to go to like Macy's and, or it wasn't even Macy's, wasn't even around. It was more like local record store, man. Well, no, at, at our place, the only place around that sold tickets was uh, was like a, a freaking department store in the mall called Robinsons. Later on, in in high school, when you know. I had a little bit more leeway with mom and dad, you know, mom and dad tried to keep me under a tight leash. Being the youngest of seven, you know, the kids, the, pretty much my brothers and sisters ruined everything for me. My parents knew what <laughs> I was going to do. They knew what I was going to do before I did it. Um, so it was very difficult for me as far as, you know, getting out to the concerts and stuff. So, but by yeah. the time I got to, by the time I got to high school, what, you're talking 82? So we're talking diver down, and then and then uh, you know fair warning, and then uh, by by uh, by my senior year, we're talking their last record with Daily Rock. And, uh, so every time you know somebody go down there to get tickets for you know what three, four, five of us, uh, you know you get to the window and they go, oh sorry, single tickets available only. Yeah. Every time, yeah. and you know we probably we probably he sh- probably should just bought them. Yeah. Like, when you're so, like, a, you know, I'm
0: thinking back to like, you're a kid, you don't think of these things, yeah. you know, yeah, or, you right. don't, or like when well, my mom said I couldn't go to Diver Down, I didn't think of asking another adult, you know, or like, right,
3: right. right. You know, no mom said you to a concert. Damn it. Mom said no. Mom said no. <laughs> but anyway, you know, they, they, they would sell out. I and mean, you're talking like within 20 minutes, every ticket sold. I mean, it was, it was nuts and uh and this is before you know all the big obviously the internet eventually so uh uh i saw them on their 2008 tour with roth and uh and and wolfgang that's the only time i saw them saw them at the arrowhead i believe it was called honda center at that point i think they changed it It used to be the 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 arrowhead pond um but i think it's uh, honda center it's definitely honda center now Um, and that's where the ducks, the hockey play, the NHL hockey team plays. They were awesome. I remember my buddy, uh, another drummer, he'd like this guy. Anyway, uh, I played a bunch of gigs with him as well. And he, he's the one who got the tickets for really good seats. Like talking right by the side stage, but it was Eddie's side. So it was, it was cool. And, uh, and it was loud i had to bring my ear i was such a wimp i had to bring my 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 ear my earplugs <laughs> it was too loud <laughs> oh man yeah uh, i'm with you yeah yeah but it sounded much better with the earplugs you just kind of you don't you don't put them in all the way just like halfway yeah but anyway uh, uh that was that was pretty cool but he said to me he goes he's like uh, he's like hey man And this is when we'll touch upon the Atomic Punks, and that was my cousin's tribute band, uh, er, tribute to early Van Halen. Yeah. But that's how he that's how he came across the tickets. But anyhow, um, he he asked me. He goes, "Hey, you think Rouse tribute bands better than them?" And I looked at him. I go, "Are you crazy? Like, what's wrong with you? This is the this is the original uh, guys, other than Wolfgang. I mean, and Wolfgang's killing it up there. I go, come on." You know. Yeah. yeah, my 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 cousin was great. He did a great David Lee Roth. Uh, he sounded like him. He impersonated him well. They always had a guitar player that shredded and was really good. Yeah, no, they they were called the and, Atomic
0: Punks and where were they based out? Yeah.
3: They were out of LA. And okay. uh, they, actually there's a brother, the first combination of drums and guitar was there were two brothers and they were from North Carolina. And they they're the ones who who kind of put Put the ad out, I guess Ralph answered the ad, and uh, and they had the idea, and, and Ralph answered it, and they're like, "Oh my God, this guy's perfect." And so they found a bass player, and the rest was history. They did really well for for a long time, and Ralph got so busy with Steel Panther that he had to, he had to give it up, so they got a new, they got a new guy. I, I think they've had a couple new guys since then, but they're still okay. playing. They're, they're still kicking. Okay, and what was Ralph so, doing
0: with Steel Panther? Because I, I don't follow that band, but I know about him.
3: Uh, Ralph Ralph Sains. He is the lead singer, aka uh, Michael Starr. Awesome. So his stage his stage name is Michael Starr. Uh, by the way, you know if you love if you love guitar and you haven't heard of Steel Panther, you have to check him out because Rush Russ Parrish is the guitar player in that band, and he is uh, his his stage name is Satchel. But nice. uh, yeah, satchel, nice. But uh, he's uh, he's probably one of the smoothest, fastest guys you'll ever you'll ever see.
0: So you're, he. So back to Atomic Punks. There's a David Lee Roth connection there. Tell me about that.
3: Well, it's the David Lee Roth connection is the fact that the first two uh, guitar players in that band, David Lee Roth, basically plucked them out of that band, basically stole them. So Bart, <laughs> Bart was the first guy. I can't remember. God, for the life of me, I can't remember his last name. Uh, and, and he took him and they didn't, they did a little bit together. And then, uh, Brian Young, that's who we got the tickets from. So Brian Young, uh, David had fronted him a bunch of tickets and Brian took them, of course, sold them <laughs> for like, he was selling them for like a hundred, 120 bucks or something. Oh. And, uh, and you know, but I mean these are tickets that are probably going for six hundred, eight hundred bucks or whatever. Yeah. Normally. But so we're still getting a deal. But uh Brian Young was the second guy that that David Lee Roth took from from Ralph. And I, I still maintain to this day there's nobody that captured Eddie, uh Eddie's sound as well as played his licks almost almost flawlessly.
0: When the news came through, man, uh, did you know about it? Did you know he was he was really bad in the last couple of weeks or did it hit you? I, you know,
3: I I had heard he had had cancer what, uh, two, three years back and he had a surgery and 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 that was pretty much it. I I hadn't been hearing much from him. I I wasn't necessarily paying attention to his health at that, you know, so it was a little bit. It was a little bit of a shock. And I, I swear I was I was on another blog uh, and somebody put EVH died and I'm like, what? And I, so I was like, out of everybody, I think I was one of the first to find out through that guy. I mean, he literally posted it. It, it was probably an, inside an hour after Eddie had died. So I was just like, dang, you know, it's just like it's just a blow. It's like the worst I mean, year there, ever that oh my god for for sure for sure man he uh well that's that's part of it too i mean it's 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 hard to imagine that somebody like that that had such an impact in your life he's gone sixty five I don't necessarily have any personal experience with with meeting I've never met the man, right. but like I said my you know my cousin doing the uh uh the, the tribute band and they, you know again. This is when tribute bands were just getting kind of started. So he he's formed that band, I believe, in ninety. I want to say ninety seven, or maybe even ninety four. Mm-hmm. I think it was ninety four. And so they were they were you know they were one of the first to to do that kind of stuff. Not the first. I mean, obviously you had all the yeah. Beatles, you know. And so it's not like it hadn't been done before. But you know, it, they kind of started the whole new generation of tribute. And uh, but anyway, I guess years and years later, after uh, after Hagar left the band, uh, Ralph ran into to Eddie, and so you know all the guys like Michael Anthony had played on stage with with the with my cousin. They they were on stage at the House of Blues, so you know all and David Lee Roth obviously aware of of they were all aware of the tribute band, they knew them. Yeah. Uh, they weren't necessarily friendly, but they they knew of the band, sure. and uh, and so he runs into Eddie like on the street somewhere in in uh, in in Hollywood or or in the Valley or something. I don't know where he was. He, he said he was he said he was by his house, or he ran into him, and uh, and uh, Eddie he goes. He's, they started talking and he and he said he asked Eddie, he goes, So what do you what are you gonna do now? And he goes, Eddie just looks at him and goes, I just wanna rock. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and my cousin goes, Yeah, I just wanna rock too. And it was like the next question should have been, Hey, we should get together, maybe maybe play together and see if we can, you know, see if we can vibe and and you know, maybe you could be our singer. Like that's yeah. where that was, That should have gone, and it never did. And that's yeah. a, that's kind of how Ralph saw it too. It was like it was really surreal, and he's like, it seemed like the next question out of his mouth was, well, "What are you doing? <laughs> you know, what do you do? You right. want to rock? Let's rock." You know, did right? Eddie
0: know about the Atomic Punks?
3: Oh yeah, they all, okay. Like I said, they they did all they knew talk
0: about it him. there at that at that instance, or
3: no? Mm-hmm. They, he just yeah. he 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 knew. You know, Ralph, Ralph had had established himself locally. Yeah, uh, at that point, so you know, a lot of people knew him.
2: Yeah. And now it's cool. rid-
3: now it's ridiculous. He's basically famous, so you know. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, yeah. That's that's cool. that's, that's all I, that's all I got on that. So. Yeah. I, I, what's your I, I, uh, what's your favorite? You got a favorite
0: Van Halen riff that you just love to play? Your go to.
3: Oh man, there's so many. Um,
0: Are you farting on uh, in my interview?
3: This one. <laughs> What is um, oh, okay? That was a that was how I think I think when I fart. <laughs> um, if you're
0: Van Halen mood, what do you put on?
3: I don't know if it's the first or the second side. I can't remember, but uh Fair Warning is my go-to, and and you know when you hear Mean Streets and that tapping right away, it's like oh yeah, oh, yeah. I'm so I'm 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 in it. This is good. I like this. This is this is what I want to do. And that whole that, that records, whole, yeah. That whole it's a diverse th-
0: record too. It's a very yeah. diverse record.
3: They got that that they got that sinner swing song on it, which is crazy. And then, uh, uh, push
0: comes to shove is kind Bush
3: of a shove. Push comes comes yeah. Push comes to disco. It's almost it's almost like R and B. You know, it's like that that go that's going back to their party days when they used to play a bunch of covers in the seventies. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. You know that it,
0: music rock and roll that people could dance to. That was their thing.
3: And then that weird, uh, one foot out the door. It's just yeah, crazy. It's like been in the
0: park, the beginning yeah, of the yeah, yeah, electro harmonics.
3: Some of, some of that stuff I used to, I used to spend hours just trying to sound like that, you know, just, just trying to get that sound. <laughs> and you right. know, it, it is in your finger. I, I couldn't get a lot of them. I couldn't, a lot of them I, I would accomplish. I'd be so stoked when I, when I'd finally learn it, but. You know, that was when I was a kid and I had time. Yeah. <laughs> As an adult, it's like, forget it. But, totally, know. man. Eh, any, anyway. Well, dude, man. There thanks. you go. Ch- hey, man. Thanks a lot
1: for
0: uh, rapping with me. I'll, I'll. Uh, it's going to be It's great to have you reminisce a little bit about Van Halen. And again, I always always loved our, our moments where we'd have a moment uh, before we played a bunch of disco shit where you rip out a little Van Halen. I right. made my day every time.
3: Yeah, absolutely, dude. I love I love the fact that we, we share that too. Hey, edit all the dumb shit I said today, okay? <laughs> for sure. All right, cool, man. Hey, it's great talking to you and uh keep on uh keep on keeping on, my brother.
0: Right on. Later, babes.
3: All right. All right, late.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that segment with Greg Smith. He's a good friend of mine. We go way back. And now it's time for our featured artist today who's also gonna tell his really cool Eddie Van Halen story, Mr. Barry Richmond, Atlanta guitar legend, played with Greg Allman, played with Buddy Miles, and many, many more. And let's check this Cat's Music out. You can also check this out at barryrichman.com, but this is Floodwaters by the Barry Richmond Band. Check this out. <laughs>
2: Ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages, yeah.
0: a man who needs no introduction, but we'll give him one anyway, Mr. Barry Richman. how's it going, man? Fine, man
2: uh happy Sunday, everybody
0: yeah, happy Sunday, and uh you just had a little you just had a little session you were doing, right a little recording thing
2: yes, uh, and doing it online uh, with a band of several dudes up in Asheville north carolina
0: awesome, nice, nice
2: um so i you
0: know i wanted to have you on the show first uh, i'll tell the people kind of how we met i've actually already always kind of known your name around the city but i mean i lived in atlanta for 20 years and i I don't think i ever got to meet you and uh i was we were doing this private party gig the other week with the carrie hill band blues thing and uh, i found out you were going to be on it i was like awesome because i think that's the first time i don't think we played before together did we
2: no, I don't think so. And, uh, man, I was quite impressed with your ability, man. Great, oh, hey. great
0: player. Oh, that's a great compliment. I appreciate it, man. You too, man. You were throwing down. And we, and that gig was so fun because we were just... We, where they put the band was kind of behind the bar. We could just ha- relax and have fun. It was it was, uh, it was a good time for sure.
2: Party going on the other side.
0: Yeah, yeah. Doing our thing with the party on this for sure. Well, you know, I, I saw your post a while back um, about, about Eddie Van Halen. And, and of course... This episode is is uh, kind of a roundtable discussion of several people and I, you know, talking about Eddie and and Van Halen and even some of the glory days. But before I get to that, just tell me a little bit about your roots, man. Where where are you
2: from originally, Barry? Uh, born in New York City and grew up on Long Island, out in the suburbs of New York, and uh, uh, lived there till about seventeen years old, and family relocated to Florida. Right on. And I uh, didn't really like it much in I wound up uh, uh, quitting, quitting high school and started hitchhiking back to New York. And uh, somewhere on the trip, uh, somebody got on the wrong interstate and dropped me off in Atlanta. And I've, I've been here ever since. <laughs> well, what part of Florida were you in, man? It was Miami Beach. Wow, and uh, at at the time there was nothing going on up here. This was before they had the famous South Beach. This right, it was really an, a, an old age retirement place. No music scene.
0: Yeah, now no, I don't know if we talked about this, but I grew up in South Florida, so I I went to Cooper City oh, High really? School. I went to Cooper City High School. There was a big heavy metal scene down there in the eighties. So I was I was mostly a part of that. So. Talking about like your roots and, and your your playing and stuff like that and, and, and segueing into the Eddie Van Halen thing, what um did you back in the day, I mean, were you an early fan of Va- Van Halen when it came out? Do you remember when you first heard, you know, Eddie play?
2: Oh yeah. Well, uh let me start by saying I had already been playing a, a good solid twenty years before our before Van Halen hit the scene. Yeah. Wow. And uh, uh, my my roots were, uh, you know, from the Hendrix, Clapton, Jeff Beck, Led Zeppelin period. Uh, but when I first heard Eddie, I was, like, blown away. It was something really refreshing and, and a whole new spin on rock guitar.
0: Going back to when you got dropped off in Atlanta, how did, where did things go from there as far as your playing career?
2: Well, the the coolest thing about, uh, when I got here to Atlanta was that, uh, bands like Leonard Skinner, Marshall Tucker, Wet Willie, uh, they were pretty much local bar bands. They hadn't even put out any records yet. They were just playing around town and it, it was a really cool scene. Uh, you know, it was kind of the beginnings, you know, uh, of Southern rock made the Allman brothers had already made it big, but these other bands were just local bands hadn't been signed yet.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And, uh, so you're playing there and, and, and I know you've done, done a little work with, with buddy miles and you, you have a, from what I know, an association with the Allman brothers. Can you tell us about those things?
2: Yeah, very kind of a long association. Uh, when I was living in New York, I would go see them at a, at a place called the Fillmore East. Oh, yeah. And it was absolutely blown away. It was some of the best music I'd ever heard. And uh, uh, once I'd moved to uh, Georgia, uh, about six months, I get a phone call from Greg Allman. I think he needed a guitar player for his tour that he he was doing something aside from the Allman Brothers, his own solo tour for uh, the album called Laid Back. And uh, so I wound up moving down to Macon, Georgia and just hanging out with the guys, rehearsing and stuff. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't even get to do that tour because uh, the record company said I didn't play on the album and they were just going to use the guys that played on the album. So that was a little bit of a disappointment.
0: That's the biz, man.
2: But uh, but the cool thing was while I was in Macon, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, they they let me actually uh I, I had Dwayne Allman's nineteen fifty nine Les Paul guitar that they let me have for about six months and that was that was a real treat. Awesome. Uh, let's see. Later on, uh, uh when I started recording uh, my albums, their drummer J Mo. Uh, guested on one of my albums and uh, and uh, occasionally I would sit in with them when they were in town and uh, there was even one, one night where they had a concert at uh, Liquid Amphitheater and there was a, such a heavy thunderstorm that night that the concert got cancelled but they looked uh, they looked and found that my band was playing uh, in Buckhead that night so the the whole almond brothers came to my gig and sat in with us and that, that was pretty cool that when was that that's awesome that would be uh probably early 2000s
0: awesome that's really cool man and and the buddy miles thing i saw that really cool picture of you guys playing together what's what how did that happen
2: uh, he, he, uh, came to town to play at a benefit concert put on by uh, Z 93 radio station. And, uh, so the, the radio station called me to do the show and, uh, we were just sitting around backstage, just writing down all the Hendrix tunes that we knew. And, uh, and it, it was a total blast. He's got so much soul in his playing oh, and yeah. singing it, it was yeah, and, and for me, for me, it was, it was quite an honor because I grew up listening to the Hendrix band, the Gipsies album, and uh, it was a real treat to play with him. Oh man,
0: that's that's awesome, and rest in peace, of course, uh, to him. And I, I've got to, again goes back to this five degrees of separation. At my last, I taught in Atlanta. I was a music director at St. Pius the 10th Catholic High School, and uh, I always like to have guest artists in and stuff like that to talk to the students about music and i've had steve walsh in from kansas um i've had a couple of other guest yeah. guest stars and you know he's in the atlanta area um but uh i had jimmy's sister janie Hendricks, who's the ceo of hendrix enterprise uh um experience Hendricks llc that is and she came in and she showed the now you might have been there the atlanta pop festival did you go to that no, I was still in New York when that happened. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't sure if you're in the area, but um, yeah, she came in and showed that film. The documentary came out a few years ago, and I had about seventy to eighty kids and parents there in the auditorium, and it was a really, really cool visit. And uh, we went out to dinner, and she she talked a lot about you know um, their relationship, told some funny stories and stuff like that. I just and so I moved here to Nashville. And I just had her back on as a guest speaker virtually the other week, and um, kids loved it. The kids came up with uh, a lot of questions and things like that. And I, I tell you, Jimi Hendrix music, I mean, it, it 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 makes sense to be talking about Jimi Hendrix in the same vein as Edward Van Halen, you know, as far as like, you know, in my mind, you know, I, I'm kind of a music historian. I've been teaching music history for about 15 years and um, studied it, and I, you know, went to school for music, but... You know, Eddie kind of picked up the torch where where where, uh, where Jimmy left it in a way. What do you think about that?
2: That's, yeah, that's a very good way of putting it.
0: Yeah, and um, so,
2: it's, you know, there's the pioneers and the innovators, and then, then people that followed that, and then Eddie came out, and a whole bunch of people followed you know his style after that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like I guess it was Sting that said about like Jocko, you know. We needed Jocko so the bass guitar could move forward. You know, it's people come out like that and just bring the instrument to a new level that makes more things available, achievable for the rest of us. You know, to learn from. Yeah, so the the Janie thing was a cool thing, and that's really cool that you got to work with Buddy. Um, I did. I met Billy Cox briefly at the uh, the Experience Hendrix tour here in Nashville uh, last year. You know, he and uh Hendrix lived here for a short period of time, in, like sixty three, sixty four. Um, in the in the early stages, that was kind of a brief period. So, but that's really awesome, man. And so, uh, this story about you, um, and and the the whole Eddie Van Halen story. So, share that whole thing with us. Share that that story about your post.
2: My band was playing at this cool club called the Harvest Moon Saloon. It, it, it's been closed for a number of years now. But uh, Is this Atlanta? the night before the Van Halen concert, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, his whole road crew—they came out to hear my band, and they—they they really dug what we were doing. And the, his guitar tech came up to me and said, "Man, how about you come see the show tomorrow, and we'll hook you up. We'll get you to sit in with Eddie and the guys." And I was like, "Wow, that's a uh, yes." Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. No, so, uh, I went to the show the next day. And, uh, I remember being back in the, in the dressing room and there was just one room where, where they serve the buffet for the band to eat. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm sitting there and there's this, this girl at the counter making sandwiches and she's got her back to me. And I'm going, Holy shit. That's Valerie Bertinelli. And, uh, uh, and when she turned around, it wasn 't Valerie, it was Eddie because they they looked identical <laughs> from behind yeah <laughs> that 's funny and uh we we started talking, and uh you know, I mentioned that the uh his guitar tech had invited me to sit in with the band that day, uh, and he kind of he was very nice about it, but he explained he said you know we we do a show." It's time to a certain amount of minutes and hours, and we can't really do any kind of you know jam on stage. And he apologized, and uh, but it was, it was really nice getting to hang out with him.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and that's understandable too. And you mentioned uh, it wasn't their the road crew's decision to make. They were they were obviously so impressed with you and your playing. They were like stoked, you know. And it sounds like he was nice about it though. And, and uh, anything else you remember from that that experience or the show?
2: Uh, well, I mean, the first thing that caught my attention was that, that he was just very down to earth. You know, uh, sometimes we look at these people and think of them as guitar gods and stuff like that, but he was—he was just a, a nice cat. You know, just a regular guy. Yeah. And uh, that plays the shit out of guitar.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are saying that how how kind he was and nice he was, and we we all know, or you read stuff about. You know, arguments and egos clashing and him and David and Sammy and blah blah blah. blah. Um, you know, that that band is his baby though, he and his baby and, and it's I can see, you know, you've we've all been in a band where we have personality clashes and that's a normal thing about being in a band, you know. So I never kind of believed the hype of all that stuff and I already oh, I'd heard he was I always heard he was a good guy. Yeah.
2: Um, and that that was really, I guess, the only time I'd ever really got to hang out with him. But uh, yeah, I just just loved their music so much. Yeah, that's fantastic. But- although uh, <clears throat> when, you hear, when when you hear me play, there's actually very little influence because I I'd already developed my own style by then, and uh, I would appreciate him, but I never really like sat down and learned eruption like everybody else did. And that's that's good, yeah. And that's
0: I, I totally because I heard you play, and I, you have your own style and smooth, and uh, I could tell that that you have that kind of a would I say more of a bluesier
2: fusion roots kind of thing, bluesier jazz roots. Yeah. Oh, definitely, absolutely. And and when you hear players that grew up on the Van Halen style, they have that Van Halen in their in their playing that will always be in their playing because that's their roots
0: you got some favorite van halen tracks that you uh you
2: know if it's on you crank it up to me that first album still just gives me chills the whole album's just it it was a masterpiece i mean it's so alive sounding so so raw and uh and you could just you could feel the fun they're having which is a really cool thing in music
0: yeah yeah You, you can feel like the soul and the sweat you can hear it on the tape you know the the vibe and the uh the camaraderie, almost, you know. Yep,
2: yeah. yeah. It was like they weren't—they weren't even really concerned with the music business end of things. They were just like, "Wow, we're in a recording studio. Let's let's just kick ass the way we do on stage." It was, it was so beautiful. Yeah.
0: Had you ever seen them in the past before you had that meeting?
2: Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Saw them in concert at a place called the Omni. Which I think is no longer there. They tore that down, but right. it was a big concert venue. I was in middle
0: school when the 1984 album came out. And I was trying to win tickets. It was sold out in South Florida. I think a couple of nights couldn't go, but ended up going to 5150. That was a little bit easier to get tickets because that's right when you know David Lee Roth left and Eddie. Uh, my story that I've told several times: he playing eruption, he throws his pick right to me, and I, I still have it.
2: I was just wondering how the pick sounds. Oh yeah,
0: no, I haven't used it. Uh, yeah, it made me play. Yeah, maybe me. I, I instantly could play Eruption.
2: Right. <laughs> you know, uh, you know who doesn't get the credit he deserves is Alex Van Halen. What a badass drummer he is. Oh man, he's like
0: the he's like the hard rock Ringo Star to me. Like he, everything he plays on the albums, just it works on every single song, and he's not just playing a beady. He's got those little cymbal catches that happen, and the sound of his drums are kind of bombastic, and they, he has a signature sound, too,
2: you know? Yeah, that was great, great drummer. Barry,
0: thanks for uh, sharing the Eddie story, man. It, it's so cool that you got to meet with him and that he was kind to you. And it was re- also really cool that the whole, you know, the crew was was digging your show, man, and thought that much of you to invite you out, you know?
2: Oh, absolutely, man, that was really nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what, uh, what are you up to now? I mean, go ahead. Unfortunately, the pandemic has really put a damper on a lot of things. Uh, A lot of shows have been canceled, unfortunately. Can't really tour at the moment, but uh, uh, locally playing, playing as many gigs as, as I can and just, uh, you know, trying to keep my band going. Right on, right on.
0: Yeah. We're, we're all waiting for the industry to come, come crawling back. You know, I was say, talking to a friend the other night, I was like, you know, it's gonna take a big industry group or professionals to go, enough is enough, we've gotta get back to live music, we gotta get the industry back. You know, okay, make everybody wear masks at the concert. Like, you get 300 people on an airplane and they sit next to each other for three hours, why can't you have an hour and a half concert where people have masks on and, and are you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, every other seat right or something you know it's we've got to get it back and i think unwinding the fear is the hardest thing right now you know
2: yes this is a strange time indeed man yeah oh they got to get a handle on it for sure yeah
0: if there's anything good to come out of this is that when we come back you know we're full force i think there's going to be hopefully even a greater appreciation for music and also the appreciation that you know artists you know, music isn't free. You know, and 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 let's support the artists and musicians and road crews. You know, and take care of them.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think people will appreciate us more.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Barry, why don't you why don't you tell us um, how can we find out about what you're doing and, and check out your albums? Tell tell us where where we can find all that stuff.
2: Well, the uh the ma- the main page is uh, barryrichmond.com. dot com, and uh, there's a store where you can. Uh, you know pick up some CDs if you like and there's also Facebook page uh Barry Richmond band on Facebook uh Barry Richmond band on Reverb Nation cool uh you know just put my name in Google all kinds of shit pops up
0: awesome man awesome well again it was it was a blast getting to finally meet you and uh and to hear you play uh, on, on that blues gig man that was that was quite a ride i'm, I'm very glad i got to meet you and, and get to know you some brother
2: same here very happy about that and uh and i, I have a feeling we are going to play together again soon that would be great that
0: would be great all right well thanks for joining us today man and you have a great rest of your day brother all right
1: thanks same to you
0: we hope you enjoyed that interview with guitarist barry richmond and we also hope you enjoyed our tribute to the late great edward van halen today Check us out on Facebook and Instagram and take a look at the pictures that followed today's episode and other episodes. We hope you'll give those a listen also. Thank you so much for listening and happy trails to Eddie Van Halen.